Mark Knopfler, a rock and roll Hall of Fame artist and legendary frontman for the Dire Straits, tends to run into trouble whenever he writes a song from the perspective of a character. The 1985 hit Money for Nothing was written from the perspective of two working-class men watching music videos and commenting on them. The song encountered criticism immediately from a gay newspaper in London over its use of a derogatory word for gay men, which is used to describe a rock star from the perspective of the song's working-class narrator. Knopfler defended his use of the word in an interview in Rolling Stone, but later that year replaced the offending word with Queenie during a live performance. During the interview, Knopfler said, quote, I'm still in two minds as to whether it's a good idea to write songs that aren't in the first person to take on other characters. Knopfler had a less public struggle with character writing in 1984 when he wrote and recorded a track with Dire Straits only to deem the lyrics to be unfit for a man to sing. Knopfler pitched the song to Tina Turner, who was working on her comeback after separating from Ike Turner. The already recorded backing track was offered to Turner by Knopfler, but legal restrictions prevented the exchange from occurring. Instead, several members of the Dire Straits, minus Knopfler, who had Jeff Beck fill in for him, re-recorded the track with Turner. Knopfler did not approve of the final result, claiming the song was ruined due to them, quote, drafting in Jeff Beck to play the world's second ugliest guitar solo, end quote. Despite Knopfler's objections, the song became a massive hit for Turner and wound up being the title for her fifth studio album. It hit number seven on the Billboard Hot 100 and number three on the R&B chart. Turner found success with the song, but was shocked to find out how others had interpreted the song. She recalls being told about the meaning of the song, quote, They said, why did you pick this song? It's a song about a hooker. Is it because you've been a hooker? And I was shocked. I didn't see her as a hooker. I can be naive about some of these things, but actually the answer is no. I took it because it was an unusual song. I'd never sung a song like it, and I wish you could hear Mark's version of it. He's got a very English-sounding voice, and it was really quite beautiful. A very arty song. So I put the old soulful touch on it. That's right, we're talking Private Dancer, written by Mark Knopfler and performed by Tina Turner on Cover Me. I'm your private dancer, a dancer for money, do what you want me to do. I'm your private dancer, a dancer for money, and any old music will do. That's right, it's Cover Me, the only podcast that talks about famous songs and their many cover versions. Compares them against one another to find out which one takes American Express. I'm your host, as always, Jake Cressy, joined by my co-host for money. Alex Mildenberger. Alex Mildenberger, co-host for hire. For hire. For hire. Pay me How's money, maybe I'll co-host you. That's I, right. I don't get paid for this, summer. Not for this, no. no. This is... But This one's for the love of the game. Yeah. But anyone else? Anyone else? Give him a dime, he'll come on your podcast. Yeah. Put one generic, sort of vaguely money-looking coin in my hand, and I'm yours. That's right. Alex, how you doing on this fine, lovely day? I'm doing. I'm doing fine and lovely. Yeah, I'm mostly. I I'm trying to uh, be more like the weather. Uh, oh, so so you're to be lovely. if it's fine and lovely day, then I'm fine and lovely. It's um, mm, meteorological nice. determinism. Right. Or uh, I guess pathetic, pathetic fallacy. fallacy. Hey. Yes. I think pathetic fallacy is the reverse, though, when the weather mirrors you. True. Yeah, I'm I'm doing a reverse. Um, yeah, I'm going to stick with meteorological determinism. So there's yeah, a lot, of, there's a lot of syllables. That's, yeah, it's good. It sounds smart. And it's what the people crave these days. Smart sounding words and meteorology. Yeah. Alex, we're talking about Private Dancer because it's Entrepreneur Summer, colon, 
pro sex work summer um this song one about business private dancer two about sex work not really pro though alex you said you didn't know about this song until this week is that true that is true yeah i didn't know about this Uh, song ahead of time Um, i think i heard it when my teens when i was using my playstation portable to listen to 80s radio because it was a feature online radio yeah like online radio it had like a specific psp radio station or something like that there was some reason i was listening to 80s radio on a psp it was like playing the oldies yeah it's a lot of huey lewis and then this would come on occasionally (laughs) um i think i've heard my mom sing it before but yeah private dancer alex what'd you think uh decent song uh didn't have a ton of time with it it just having been one week uh but it's really easy to sing along to in the chorus and that's i think what matters for a song being memorable so that's what it's got for now and i'm sure there's more to it i mean i'm i'm a dire straits fan for sure and this has some of that sound to it you can kind of tell um and on top of that like this is the single version we're going to talk about but there's an album version which is like seven minutes long so it's like yeah that's dire straits that's dire straits oh yeah lots of solo work (laughs) lots of dire straits and around in it yeah we're talking about the the single version because come on people we don't got time for breaking down solos seven heard us talk about solos on this before yeah it's kind of like scuba diddly wee and it sounds cool yeah yeah that's that's the depth of our analysis um, let's get analyzing these not pro sex work lyrics though, which start off like this. Well, the men come in these places, and the men are all the same. You don't look at their faces, and you don't ask their names. You don't think of them as human. You don't think of them at all. You keep your mind on the money, keeping your eyes on the wall. So, about that. with the title of this, obviously, there's the the prostitution interpretation. Yeah. Um, and that's not how Tina Turner approached it. But, I, I mean, in terms of private dancer, it's not necessarily, like, specifically a prostitute. I feel like... No. Like, maybe she's a stripper, right? Like, <laughs> I don't know. So, sometimes that sounds like we're splitting hairs, but there is yeah, a huge difference. It's, like, it's not the same thing. Um, they can be closer related in some cases. Oh, but oh like, well, yeah, and the fact that she's a dancer seems to suggest more like a stripper organization than a brothel. Yeah. A strip club is, I guess, what you would call it, not a stripper organization. Yeah. So, like, and, like, you pay for private dances, right? Yeah. Is that, I don't know that if that's what you call them necessarily, but it might be. I think they're they're typically called lap dances, because I think at one point they may have occurred more on top of the lap, or at least in some parts of the world. In Canada, I can tell you this. They occurred in a small room, at least in the one place in Calgary I got one when I was an 18... Ten years ago, all right. Ten years ago, A yeah. decade ago when I received one lap dance, they just kind of are in front of you. Right. And the whole experience is kind of... No touching. But seedy. Yeah, much no better in terms of, like, gaining thigh strength for the dancer. Because you kind of have That's to right. crouch, like squat down. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no resting. You really... Really got to build up the build up those thighs. Exactly. Um, yeah. So it's a lot of physical work. Yeah. So back to the song. It's really uh, talking about. It's a story song, you know. To, but actually, no, it's not a story song. I take that back. It's just telling about this person's situation. So I guess it's kind of a story song, but it's not like and then this happened and then this happened. 
mm-hmm. like you might get from like I don't know Spanish train or something like that. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, it's just describing these places. Doesn't say what places there are. You know, it's kind of these seedy places. Yeah. Implied by the song, um, and it's these, um, and the men are all the same. It's these men who are, uh, what's, what's the word? Also Johns. seedy, I guess. Johns. Yeah, seedy, seedy Johns. <laughs> yeah, seedy Johns, and uh, and there's lots of them. So like you, all the faces, like you don't care about who it is. No faces, no names. You just yeah. Like it just kind of happens around you, and that's kind of the story for this, um, for this for our protagonist here. Mm-hmm. They're just they're just taking the money. It's all about the money for them. Yeah, maybe possibly dispelling some myths. I don't know what people in 1984 thought about uh, you know sex workers of this nature, or if, but there's always that myth that they're just like super into it and horny all the time. You know, like nymphomaniacs kind of thing. So maybe this is supposed to be like, nah, dude, it's a fucking job. Like, this is the, the work sucks I know of, of sex worker songs. <laughs> right. Yeah, and I never know what might what the better portrayal would be if it would be, yeah, it's just a job versus what this is kind of saying, which is like, they don't have other, op- they're only doing it because they don't have other options kind of thing. Well, yeah, it, it does seem degrading, right? Yeah. yeah. So, like, and I'm sure it is sometimes, right? Um, yeah, I mean, these these inhuman things. You don't think of them as human. They're coming into your place. You keep your mind on the money, keeping your eyes yeah. on the wall. Your mind That's how you get through horrific experiences, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, it's, so, yeah. It is a negative light in this song. It's a negative mm-hmm. situation. We should have we a negative light on a seedy place with faceless men who are inhuman. That's a, it's a pretty dark start point. Yeah. That takes us to the chorus, which is, I'm your private dancer. A dancer for money. I'll do what you want me to do. I'm your private dancer, a dancer for money, and any old music will do. So it's a pretty simple, pretty simple chorus. Two halves, similar scheme, you know. Yeah. A lot of repeated lines. Yeah, four unique lines out of six. Yeah, and mostly just saying the song. The song is called Private Dancer. They are the private dancer, and they dance for money. Yeah, That's you get a thing. definition of private yeah. dancer. Right in the song. I'm private yes. dancer. What is that? A dancer for money. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Right. Well, but, like, a lot of people dance for money. Like, just the t- phrase dancing for money obviously uh, conjures up, like, the idea of probably, like, stripper or something. Yeah. But, like, there are professional dancers who dance for money and That's true. aren't strippers. And also, what? because in the music video, just to touch on it briefly, she's portrayed as what's called a taxi dancer. Right, so she's literally just, like, paid to dance dance with people, but it's, like, the foxtrot. Yeah. Like, it's not salacious. Exactly. So, yeah, there are are several instances of of private dancers. In fact, I would argue not many public dancers. It's not typically a public-funded thing. Yeah, in fact, public dancers are probably the ones who are getting paid a lot of the time. Um, But, hey... But yeah, you get the idea. I'm dancing for money. Yeah. I'll do what you want me to do. It's a very yeah. Like, and, this and, song is about a loss of humanity in a lot of ways. Right, and uh, sticking with the like, she's just kind of head down, going through with it, kind of thing. Pushing mm-hmm. through. It's a job. Any old music will do. It doesn't matter what the song is. She doesn't actually have to be like feeling the music, sort of thing. There's no. Yeah. There's no um, like expression of her whatever emotions. Yeah, she's uh, she's alienated from her work source here. Like it yeah. doesn't 
doesn't matter. It's uh, similarly at my job, the music doesn't matter. I barely even recognize it these days. It's just playing in the back while I sell drugs to strangers. So I too am like a private dancer. So I guess what I'm. Do you saying. get to do you get to control the music ever? No, we get to listen to the same playlist every day. Same playlist, not same even playlist like every the day. same radio station. And I don't even think they hit shuffle on the playlist, so it's like the same fucking order. That's that's a little rough. Do you, do they need oh, to like it's... license it? Is it a licensing issue or? No, it's the the owners was was like upset that people kept changing the music, and then it's, they said you guys get this playlist and this playlist only. Oh, that's kind of lame. And yeah, people complain about it. And he's like, the music is for the customers. And I'm like, they don't fucking listen to it every goddamn day. <laughs> they get two minutes of it. Yeah, it's super unfortunate. Um. And I'm more used to workplaces where you have at least one person within the facility has some control over what's being played. Yeah. Well, I, to keep on this tangent very briefly, um, used to work in the pharmacy and we would always have like our music in the back of the pharmacy, but then the main part of the store, which is, you know, just like a drug store, oh, yeah. all kinds of stuff would also have like the radio on or something. So there's kind of two sources of music playing at the same time. Right. Which was yeah. sometimes, depending on where you were standing, a little uh, overwhelming, but uh, it turned out fine. Yeah, it turned out fine. That's nice. You get the back room with a little, little different. Music. It just it yeah. makes for a nicer work environment. Yeah. Although and... the um, pharmacist didn't really like if I played like African pop music. Oh yeah, because you're getting into world music at this point. Yeah. Yeah, that was exactly the right time. I think honestly, I think it's the percussion. I think like it's unfamiliar music can make it hard for people to focus and particularly right, like if the like, rhythm is unusual, I think that can really mm-hmm. throw people off. But yeah, that's just a, that's just something. a random theory of mine. Well, that's fair. A random well, guess. I, think, I should I think, say, I think there's some merit to it. Yeah. yeah. Um, to bring that all back to this, particularly in a job where dancing is your thing, where the, the relationship to music is so clear and like so crucial. The fact that any old music will do is a, a pretty devastating statement. Yeah. Yeah. It's very detached. It's, yeah, so it's all about, yeah, the detachment and dehumanization of sex work is, like, the thesis of this song. And then uh, we come to, to, to see the dancer's personal desires here in verse 2. I want to make a million dollars. I want to live out by the sea. Have a husband and some children. Yeah, I guess I want a family. Yeah, and then it kind of repeats the beginning. Of yeah, the all the men come in these again. places. Um, does all but, that again. But yeah, you get a little a little glance into the desires of the of the character. They, mm-hmm. they want money to live comfortably by the sea, and they want a family. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a straightforward, but not uncommon, I think, uh, thing to want. Yeah, and I think maybe that's why, like Knopfler chose that, is because it's pretty easy to relate to. These are pretty. Pretty broad things. I want to make a million dollars. Fuck yeah. Who, who, who doesn't yeah. want to make a million dollars? I want dollars? money. I want a nice house. In I want, a, yeah, I want to live somewhere with, nice. <laughs> yeah, seafront property. And uh, with uh, surrounded by people who care about me. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. that does sound yeah. nice, actually. Yeah, that sounds great. And then, yeah, just to, to juxtapose like what she's thinking about, like her goals versus yeah. where she is. You're like, oh, damn. Yeah, and then it repeats yeah. what it's already said. So kind of highlighting the like cyclical nature of this job. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, the men come in again. We're do we're still going. 
Right, yeah, it's like another round. And also, you know, mentioning a husband and then mentioning these these faceless, inhuman men again is like, well, you're not going to find those here. Right. You're not going to find a husband doing this. Yeah, it's not necessarily the correct... Which, again, a negative portrayal of sex work. True, and, here, and which... um, customers of sex work. And Yeah, and customers of sex workers, which... We're not about that here on the podcast, but this was but that's the story. This was the view in, in 1984. That's in the, the story song. here. Um, I'm your private dancer, dancer for money. We get that one again. It's actually two courses this time. We'll talk about why that's so important when we get to the instrumentation. We come to the bridge. Uh, Deutschmarks yes. or dollars. American Express will do nicely. Thank you. Let me loosen up your collar. Tell me, do you want to see me do the shimmy again? Yeah. This is kind of the part of the song that breaks out of the rest of it's more introspective. This is mm-hmm. kind of the part that's in the physical world. Like this is what's really happening. She's taking the money. Yeah. Also a credit card, which is seems odd that very tricky, especially in the eighties. It's like now you can just like plug a thing into your phone or whatever. Yeah. But a credit card, then, not only a credit card, but American Express, which yeah. typically has a higher credit fee than other cars most stores will not take american express because they charge more for the store to do that transaction Canada. yeah so well, american express will not do nicely no <laughs> but like what is she doing the like chuk, chuk thing yeah like yeah 1984 it's know. not like she's got a, a square attachment like she's pull out her phone and yeah swipe or it like, there tap it there i don't know anyway um maybe is american express a symbol of wealth in any way because i feel like no not nowadays but maybe nowadays but maybe back then yeah it's like a businessman kind of thing i don't know i don't know because i feel like american american express is one of those ones that has like the the american express black card for like doesn't everybody have that because i mean i they're all the same to me like even taco bell has that but (laughs) it's for different purposes but I don't know. Anyway, yeah. And then she's dancing. She's offering more dancing. Presumably. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. So I asked Wallet Hub. I didn't actually ask him. I asked Google. <laughs> Google sure. told me to ask Wallet Hub. Say, American Express is not specifically for rich people, though applicants need good or excellent credit scores of 700 plus to qualify for Amex credit cards. The rumor that American Express cards are for rich people might come from the fact that one card, the Centurion Black Amex, is in fact for rich people oh okay i've never heard of that centurion yep. black it sounds cool yeah sounds centurion. rich that i think that means that you are in command of a hundred people that's right that's it's not actually for rich people it's it's for roman commanders <laughs> i don't know if that's actually true but scent is in there and i think decarians right, yeah. are something too okay all anyway. right all right Getting off top. American Express will do nicely. So yeah, whatever money it is, doesn't fucking matter to me. Um, allow me to loosen your collar. Let me do sex things to you. Do you want me to do this? Sh- it's loosening your collar, sex thing. I don't know. It's you know. Let yeah, me, sort let me of. You know. You know. False the top button kind of thing. Yeah. Like relax, and I will do a dance in front of your face. Yeah. Do you want to see me do the shimmy again? I'm really good at it. And then they break down instrumentally. Yeah, they, they go ahead and give it to us. <laughs> and that's, that's it for unique lyrics. Yeah, yeah. A lot of re- repetition. A lot of repetition. Um, like I said, it's about 
I'm just having a bummer of a of a time as a as a dancer of some kind. Yeah. Which. Yeah, it's a. Uh, it's not. It's not an upbeat story. No. And uh, I mean, we've interpreted it pretty clearly as being about sex work, but uh, I think Tina Turner says, "What did she say here?" I think you're right. She said, I wasn't sure whether the girl was a hooker or a very classical private dancer, but I thought I'd take it. Now, I don't know what a classical private dancer is. Is that just like a. I think that was like the, the taxi kind dancer. of thing? Okay, maybe that, like that, yeah. yeah. But I'm not sure. Right. Because that seems more classical versus, I don't know, classy. I don't know. Yeah, because the only other one I could think of is like, you know, like a ragtime show. You get some lady up on the stage. Shimmies. For an audience, so like, private, I guess. But like, yeah, not, it doesn't, it lacks the intimacy that a taxi dancer would have access to as well as yeah. a stripper and otherwise. Yeah, I don't know. Well, Alex, now that we've talked about a, a that, a topic we're skilled in and the qualified lyrics. to talk about. Yes. Let's talk about some instruments. Let's talk about some instruments. How they make noises. Yeah, they do make some noises. Noises. Noise, noises. Um, yeah, one that starts out... <laughs> yeah, it does uh, start out... Um, with, a, with a synthesizer. Kind of doing that for a bit. A little bit of drums. Um, and then, like, just kicks and kicks in some light cymbal. It's a very light song yes. the way they play everything which is i mean it's mostly members of dire straits i think at this point in time i'd have to look it up but dire straits is i think mostly like just mark knopfler in terms of original members right so it's a lot of like professional is he musicians. even part of mark is he even part of dire straits anymore because he went solo at one point i don't know if there is a dire straits right now well that's probably he definitely has solo albums though they were active from 1991 to 1995 after being active from 1977 to 1988. Yeah, I don't know. And I would imagine that break it, like coincides with him going solo. He I still has. I think he's released some solo albums more recently as well. Well, yeah, I imagine he's done yeah. it. He's, he's Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, yeah. True. He pursued a solo career after leaving the band in 1987, and then he uh, you know, reunited in 1991 to 1995. He's an independent solo artist now. Yeah, I actually I forgot yeah. to look up the members. Anyway, it's very like gently played, and then Jeff Beck as well. He's in there Jeff on the Beck. guitar. Um, I'm a pretty Beck. sure, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> not quite. Um, <laughs> Jeff Beck, who actually was one of the three guitar players at different times for the Yardbirds, the other two being ah, that's right, yes, Eric Clapton and Jimmy Page. So he's got a pretty important place in like rock and roll history. Mm-hmm. And uh, I actually, I'm pretty sure I once heard Alice Cooper say that Jeff Beck was the greatest rock and roll guitar player of all time. Okay. Um, on his radio show one time, so he, he's well regarded by at least one person. Yeah, but he I didn't wonder have if the Alice Cooper does that him. just with with like every guitarist he talks about. If they're from like the '60s, he's like, yeah, yeah. best guitar player of all time. Let me tell you. Anyway, here's the Rolling Stones. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so he's a good guitar player is the point, but he didn't have yeah. the same like level of personal success post Yardbirds that no. you get from Eric Clapton and Jimmy Page. Yeah, he was ranked fifth in Rolling Stone's list of the hundred greatest guitarists of all time. So he's got 
it's got some clout, but not your your like home recognition. Like can't say this name around regular people and be like, oh, Jeff Beck. Yeah, like I remember hearing Jeff Beck and being like, oh, like Beck. No, not like Beck. Yeah, not like um, Beck. Anyway, he's also playing in this song, uh, but the guitar is very. Everything is very light, so the guitar is like almost not there. Yeah, um, but it's it's kind of weird, you know, because everything kind of sounds like it's not there, but it's all not there together. So it together yeah. all is there. That's a hundred percent. It's all so very light. It feels like a rounding error. <laughs> Feels yeah. like a rounding error, but it yeah it works out. Uh, but it also works for like the mood of the song, which is supposed to be almost like this noir thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because before we get Tina singing, we get her doing a <sighs> yeah this big exhale, her like light sighs. Yeah, it really sets this up as a moody like noir piece, hundred yeah. percent. And then she does start singing. Now it's Tina Turner's voice. It sounds like Tina Turner singing. She's singing kind of low as well. So that also mm-hmm. kind of works with the like private introspective thing going on. Yeah. Yeah, because there's like two points she goes big. And then one of them is the the bridge where like we talked in the lyrics is sort of the physical world. Where yeah. She's got to be given that inner energy. Whereas this is more introspective. You're right. This is on the inside. So it's quieter. Mm-hmm. And... Um... And the song continues in that fashion. There's a few changes, you know, like they do build. So the drums yeah. before were just on like the kick and the and the hi-hat, I think, mm-hmm. of some light cymbal. Um, and now they're kind of more of a rock beat. There's even That's some right. like faster cymbal, like triplet type moments. Um, but and, and the snare as well. But it's like flat snare hits. Like they don't let it ring mm-hmm. out. You know? Like when you hit the snare and hold on it so it doesn't bounce and yeah. vibrate more. And I'm pretty sure bongos of some sort. Some sort of hand drums. Yeah, there's some sort of hand drumming going on as well. Uh, and that continues, I think, for just the rest of the song. This is always there. Yeah, and like you get the slightest shift from the, the verse to the chorus. Just like the piano hits a few notes and the, the drum hits hits a roll real quick. And then we're, yeah. we're up, but we're not, like, as yeah. up. Yeah, well, the piano runs up, too. So, like, we're literally mm-hmm. up in, in several ways. But, yeah, it's still fairly, fairly gentle. Gentle yeah. touch. You get a, a sort of louder kick on the drums in the chorus. But, yeah, everything is... Yes, is... it's more of a, like, straight rock beat. So you get that regular hi-hat and the snare hit isn't muted anymore. Mm-hmm. Um... The harmony throughout the song really is driven by the piano. So it's really yeah. just playing the chords with some stuff. Um, the bass actually does a fair amount. Yeah, it does. If you pay attention to the bass, it's got quite a bit of motion in it. But it, it like everything else, is very quiet. So you, it kind of blends in. Mm-hmm. So it, it never really gets, except maybe in the like breakdown section. Yeah, where everything gets kind of groovy. Yeah, and then... starts to get that that groove on it. But other than that, everything just kind of melts together. Mm-hmm. We get a similar exit from the chorus that we get. It's similar to our entrance into it. It's the the piano runs down instead of runs up. Yeah. Yeah, it's like rolled, almost. Mm-hmm. Some cool little and... piano rolls in that chorus. Yeah. And the second verse, pretty similar to the first, except like you mentioned, we got that hand drumming consistently. 
Yes, I think the guitar is doing a bit more, but it's like just a little bit. Exactly. We're just talking such bit. such minute differences. Yeah. And like, I'm sure it took a lot of work to like get that right because it's very hard to be subtle. Mm-hmm. But these are very skilled um, performers. Yeah. And so then importantly on the second chorus, which is two choruses, so it's a second and a third. On the third chorus, Tina starts belting it. Yes, that's when we get that's when we get that high energy. And yeah, no, that's all. Yeah, that's really it. Like <laughs> Tina Turner's got fucking pipes on her, and this is where she, she lets him rip. Yeah, very distinctive voice too. Oh yeah. And then we get our little funky bit. Um, this is fun. There's like this really like low farty synth. Uh, the guitar gets a real funky rhythm on it. The the synthesizer is just very funny, I think. Yeah, it is. It's just very like, well, it's so low and just... Yeah, you're right. It is farty. Uh, yeah. So like we said before, it it kind of gets like more intense and it really seems like this is like her reality, her physical space, whereas before she was kind of like in her head. Yeah. And where the, the instruments kind of sell the sex part of it too. Where it's like, bang, 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 right. bang, bang, bang. a little more salacious. Like, yeah. A little more salacious. We could almost make a drinking game where every time we say salacious, you have to drink, but you get like three drinks, I think out of it. Yeah, it's not like that many. Just listen to like all of our summer ones. Maybe we'll say it. Well, yeah, maybe it's. I mean, it's salacious. You have like three drinks over eight hours. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the worst part would be you spent your whole day listening to a podcast with just sitting with a drink in hand and like, all right, I'm gonna say say salacious. Trust me, guys. You're gonna say it. You got all your friends over. Yeah, now we're saying it a ton. (laughs) They're gonna say it. I swear. And then you drink like six times. And then just not for the next several hours. Um, So the song then goes back to its like way more understated sound. Um, And we get what Knopfler calls the second worst guitar solo of all time. He doesn't like the guitar solo? Yeah, he said it's the second ugliest guitar solo of all time. Ugliest, though. Not worst. Yes. Not worst? Like, does he. I mean, he's he's saying it it, because the full quote is he says. The, the song was ruined due to them drafting in Jeff Beck to play the world's second ugliest guitar solo. Oh. So he's not, not like, you know, like some people about, like, guitar solo is fucking ugly. Is like, But he's, he's, ne- he's saying it negatively. He's not like, he's it was it ugly, negative, not, and ugly is what we wanted it to be because of the context no, or something like that. Not like gnarly, you know? He's not like, it was the fucking <laughs> second gnarliest guitar, guitar solo I ever heard. No, he's saying it sounded like shit. Oh. Um... I don't know about that. I feel like that's a pretty extreme statement. It's it like it's very it like stays gentle for the most part. Yeah, it's um. I'm trying to think of like best why it would be bad. It it seems to fit the song's sound to me. Yeah, and it's like there's a lot of space in it. I'll say like at like three twelve the end of it where he goes kind of like that part's not great. That's the only thing I could point to and say, yeah, maybe this is could be a little better. Hmm. I wonder if he was trying to sound like Mark Knopfler. Maybe. 
That's, yeah, I think part. I think for me, from my understanding of it, is Mark Knopfler is a little upset that he wrote a hit song for someone else. <laughs> All right. Seems a little silly. Seems a little silly, but I mean, that's what's really silly is that there's no, like the demos of the the straight Dire Straits version with Mark Knopfler on vocals hasn't been found or released. Yeah, I couldn't find anything. I couldn't find it. I went to some some Mark Knopfler fan forum. They're like, "You're never gonna find it, bro." And then one dude was like, "It's probably better than the Tina Turner version." You know, he was like, "All right, these guys." Okay. Are okay. <laughs> hard up for Mark Knopfler. Yeah, but I don't yeah, know. The, it the seems guitar fine solo to happens. Me. It seems fine to me. I think I think I like one of the later guitar solos better. Honestly, but I it's, like this one's fine. It's yeah. not bad. Uh-huh. I've heard bad guitar solos. This isn't one of them. Yeah, it's not like boring. It it kind of fits the vibe of the song. I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's just a smidge of jealousy in there. It's my understanding. It's got to be a little bit like, hey, they recorded it on a day I was like camping and I don't know Dorset dentist appointment. Yeah. (laughs) Where does Mark Knopfler live? I assume. I assume England. Let's see. What else happened? We get the chorus again. We we do the same double chorus. She does a regular one and then a belting one. Yeah. Yeah. And it's yeah, pretty consistent with and the then, last yeah, time. And then we get a, a fade out. Fades out. That's the song. Yeah. That's the song. Uh, they do a pretty good job of like keeping with the like the darker atmosphere. Uh the instruments for the most part stay pretty low. Uh even Except you know, except for the one pretty short segment where they get all funky, um, mm. and then they kind of go back to being really low, and then you know pick up a bit for when she's singing. But really, it's Tina Turner bringing the energy to that part of the song. Yeah. So it's a lot so more yeah, it's, it's singer driven. Pretty well constructed, and yeah, it's your Tina Turner doing the Tina Turner comeback album. You want to highlight Tina Turner. Yeah. And, and they this does a great job. Seem to do that, so it's yeah it's an interesting song for that yeah reason. another reason that's interesting this music video ah the music video um like we already mentioned it's the the concept is basically her as a taxi dancer yes but, uh it takes place in a so it's directed by brian grant who's done a lot of music videos none that we've talked about before but he's got or at least none that i could find it's probably some he's done before but done over like 200 music videos along with some other films and stuff and this was filmed at the london's rivoli ballroom and the dance choreography is by arlene phillips who's a like a theater choreographer yeah yeah that sounds about right um, it's so like, we open yeah. in this like sort of like it's just a sad dance hall really like a it is a sad a, dance hall everyone's kind of abandoned. like well no one's making eye contact well some people are but a lot of people mm-hmm. are not, and they're just like dancing. And Tina Turner's walking and kind of like looking down a lot. Mm-hmm. She's pretty dour, dour mood. Yeah, of course we see her getting prepped beforehand. Um, True. She's looking in the mirror, she puts sighs while grabbing this lipstick. Puts on some lipstick. Uh, you get to see a shot where like she walks into frame from the side, and then you can see in the background out of focus, there's like a guy looking at her, and then he comes into focus. So you kind of get that like he's watching her, and she knows, but like doesn't 
put her attention right put towards him at first yeah so the sad dance hall has just like balloons scattered on the floor oh, yeah there's balloons everywhere chairs. yeah is that normal in the 80s for these like kind of classic dance halls Maybe. balloons balloons Maybe I'm used to seeing this sort of thing in black and white. Maybe. Yeah, and then we get this, the the dude, and he hands her a coin-shaped object. Yeah, he hands her a fucking shilling. A sh- or whatever. <laughs> and then she just, like, <laughs> sadly starts to dance with him. So, like, apparently taxi dancers, the, the general cost used to be, I think, a dime. Oh, I see. And then they earned commission on that, typically half of it. So they were called, one of the nicknames for them is, like, nickel hoppers. Because they made five cents for a dance. That's right. Um, Which probably yeah. way, way back wasn't that bad. It seems No, but can you imagine that now. today? Like a five-minute song, you're getting five cents for it, one cent a minute? That can't, that can't, that can't be legal. <laughs> no, certainly not. Um, yeah, so that's yeah, the, the popular term nickel hopper. I think there was another one they were called. Yeah, Dime a Dance Girl is another name for them. So yeah, I assume that shilling's supposed to oh, be a dime. dime a dance. <laughs> yeah, there's a song called "Dime a Dance Romance" by the Steve Miller Band. Hmm. Hey, learned something new today. Interesting. Making connections, Alex. Yeah. Cool. So then she starts dancing with the guy, and then we get a, a disco ball spin, and we're suddenly in this like vaporwave dance hall. Yes, everyone's in like these exaggerated outfits. Um. Whether it's, I mean, there's ballerinas and like soldiers. And yeah, ballerinas, soldiers, geishas, and everything in between that. Is yeah. that a martial artist in the back there? There's a guy with a headband. Um, possibly. Possibly. I don't see it, him. It's, it's like, it's part vaporwave and part that ballroom scene from Labyrinth. From Labyrinth, yeah. Yeah, it reminds me of that too. Yeah. And just like some very weird, probably symbolism that I don't necessarily like have the ability to parse right there's a lot of like this guy is dressed like a magician and then he throws glitter like okay that's right (laughs) does it mean something i don't know or tuxedo mask (laughs) he is tuxedo mask (laughs) which is the same thing aesthetically yeah pretty much (laughs) so i don't know plus or minus a a mask like like a red lining Um, Mm -hmm. And then just like a bunch of shots of different dancers. There is, for the Labyrinth, another Labyrinth connection, although I think this was made before Labyrinth. um, There's a guy who's got like, his face is like all white powdery and then his hair is like kind of reddish and slicked back and looks very like thin white duke. Yes, I agree 100%. I think it's supposed to evoke more Frankenstein. Yeah, that makes sense. His counterpart lady there, but yeah, you're 100% right in that it looks like Finn Wake Duke era Bowie. And then, like, a 50s sailor guy who does a bunch of pirouetting. There's a a lot of dancing. At one point, there's two people dancing, and they've got, like, some sort of um, sheets or something draped over them that are, like, in long strands. Operated like, by ropes or something. Yeah, something like that. Like, they're puppets. And they're moving kind of yeah. mechanically. Yeah, they move quite mechanically. So it's like, there's a lot of kind of cool things in this video. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they mean anything. They might. Yeah. Um, You've got the band that's yeah. covered in, like, cobwebs. Or maybe jizz. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're, 
again sort of the like clockwork thing of like they're just like doing the same thing over and over which i guess ties in with the song thematically yeah it's a bit where there's a woman dancing and like just a guy with a like a bull's head on i assumed that was satan (laughs) he does kind of have a satan look she's dressed she's got like a cowboy hat so she's Oh, okay, yeah, so a bull might know. be more accurate. Yeah. But yeah, it's silhouettes as well, so you can't yeah. really... So it, it kind of seems like if they had taken, like, a 10-second chunk of this video and they could have, like, done an entire choreographed dance, an entire video with just that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, so, because there's a lot of ideas at play here that don't, that, like, just flash by pretty yeah. quickly. You get the soldier grabbing these two, like, like ladies in white yeah they seem to be in like nightgowns i thought they were nurses but they do seem to be in nightgowns i don't know if that means anything and they get on their knees does that mean anything i don't know maybe and is that building supposed to be on fire behind them there's like red in the windows kind of looks like it yeah there's like smoke coming out yeah maybe this is i don't know and then it goes back to like the reality. Yeah, and everybody's bit. doing some insane choreographed dancing. Yeah. Still lots of balloons. And but then, then it like two children dancing yeah. in, in vaporwave land. Goes back and yeah, and then like the the guy just like this this boy this young boy just like gets frustrated and storms away. Yeah. Then we get some more tender dancing in 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 the spooky dance hall, not in the uh, the normal reality one. Yes, spooky. We're uh, we're in mostly spooky dance hall now. Yeah. Uh, Tina Turner is sitting on a chair. A guy comes to her and like touches her face. Yeah. Yeah. Showing off some real body strength on these dancers. They're picking each other up, throwing them around. Yeah, which. As we know, it's difficult. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, sure then we get a shot of that. a bunch of these these ladies and also that soldier on varying dance platforms. Yeah. Tina Turner does some more singing. She kind of moves yeah. her hands around a bit. And then it shows her dancing with some guy. Kind of looks like yeah, Matthew the... McConaughey in silhouette, but not quite. Right. And then there's like some sort of matron watching yeah that's right um yeah more shots of dancers is that like geisha woman yeah and then at the end they're in the uh other place again the other world dance hall dreamland dance hall in the labyrinth uh ball and it's like a bunch of the dancers and they're all just like throwing roses on her yeah and she's lying on the floor and they all and applaud her they all start clapping and throw roses at her for her like, she, performance, I guess. She like wakes up to find she's in reality dancing with that dude and grabs her head and runs off. Yeah. She's not into it. So do you remember this Charming Man music video? Um, fucking loosely. Tell me about it. We There's a lot of flowers in it. Right. Oh, yeah. He's whipping around the fucking flower bouquet the whole time. And we decided there was some symbolism there. Because they were, mm-hmm. like, throwing flowers all around. And we decided the flowers were, like, representative of, like, human sexuality or something. and right. Or just semen. Now, these flowers right. are red. So, I don't know. 
maybe there's a connection there. There does seem to be something about the loss of innocence in there with that yeah. soldier grabbing the two white dressed women. Um, something about the cowgirl with the bull seems to evoke that as well. Yeah. Very, like, uh, yeah, animalistic. So and right she's like there. lying on the floor getting things thrown on her. Yeah, are you, 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 you tell me it's it's busted hymens? Is that what we're looking at when we're looking at I don't, flowers here? Uh, it's not what I meant, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but it also just um, might be them showering her with praise. In her mind, she's in this like magical dance land. Uh, where dancers are everywhere, and all the other dancers are like, "Look who's the best! It's Tina Turner. Let's throw That's flowers." That's right. Where at she's her. A, a celebrated dancer, and yeah. not just a like a, a private dancer. So she's she's this dime a dance gig. Exactly. She's collapsed on the floor because she's just worked so hard at dancing, and then they yeah. throw flowers at her because they love her so much and had flowers Cause handy. She, yeah, because she envisions this like bizarre theater reality. Which seems to be much more exciting, if nothing else, than the the dead dance hall. And it's better character. lit, or more yeah. interestingly lit. I guess not better lit, but I feel like this dance hall should turn the lights down a little bit. It's a little bit bright. Yeah, it's a bit bright for a dance hall. I don't know. Um. Yeah. I guess like maybe ultimately it's just about her escape from the the reality of her her shitty dance job where she gets a nickel a dance yeah and then she's like no this is degrading i'm gonna push you away because i cried a single tear yeah she's had enough she's had enough she made her five cents yeah she's gonna get out there and buy whatever a nickel can buy in 1984 or whenever the song is set yeah whenever they set the video um i'll tell you what though alex we're set to talk about these covers unless you have anything else to say I don't have anything else to say. Let's talk about some covers. All right, let's talk about Amy Stewart in 1994. I'm your private dancer, dancer for money. Do what you want me to do. I'm your private dancer, dancer for money and any of you. Telling her name like she's a, a me. A me? From Nintendo Wii. Nintendo, Nintendo games. Yes. Ami Stewart. Ami yeah, she's Stewart. an American disco and soul singer. Uh, apparently, she's very popular for her cover of a song called Knock on Wood, which uh, mm. also gets covered by David Bowie in his David Live um, live album. He has a version of the same song. Um, okay. no, it's not a cover of her version. That was recorded before she did her cover, but it's an older song. Right. Yeah. I see. Yeah, it's been the original version of that is by Eddie Floyd. Yeah. Who is a person. <laughs> she certainly is. <laughs> um, yeah, she's also the stepsister of actress singer Mikael Brown, and who's also like a disco singer and has acted in some things. So oh. she's around in the disco community. Um this one's a very, very close to the original cover. It is. Um the big difference for me was mm-hmm. it, it doesn't have the same like gentle touch yeah everything's original. a little louder everything's a little louder um there's also strings and horns that come in mm-hmm. later on not even that much later on not even that later on we're talking like 20 yeah. seconds in <laughs> yeah um and also like some organ as well that sort of fills out the background yeah. So whereas before, most of the instruments were in the background and there was like a very distinct background foreground thing, this one is a little more all out there. 
Mm-hmm. And maybe you need a little more, you know, you know a louder instrumental track on this, because, like, vocally, you're not going to be able to match Tina Turner. Yeah, it would be tough. And yeah, I mean, Amy Stewart sings fine, but she's shoes. not up to, to fill in those shoes. Yeah, Tina Turner has a very, like, distinctive voice. And at this point, she's already, like, had a full career. Yeah. Basically, and this is, like, her coming back and having another career. Yeah. So she knows what she's doing, and she's a talented performer. And even if you're a talented performer, you don't have, like, a career's worth of experience, mm-hmm. generally speaking. Um, but, yeah, very close um it's louder some of the like maybe it's just because you can hear it more but it seems like there's more like guitar strumming in some bits whereas there either wasn't any or you couldn't hear it at all in the original Mm -hmm. um and like there's some of that like guitar playing licks between lines particularly in the chorus which is something we hear a lot that didn't really happen in the original version no yeah the, the the original version's very restrained yeah and it even brings in like a funky rhythm during the chorus or the back half of the verse, rather, not the chorus, sorry. Yeah. Um, so, that kind of stuff. Yeah, so it's a little more, like, uh, standard pop, I suppose. Yes. Actually, one thing I forgot to mention. In yes. the intro, there's a saxophone. Yes. Now, that isn't in Private Dancer that we talked about. Mm-hmm. But it is in the album version of Tina oh, Turner's okay. version. Um. So that's not a completely new thing. Right. It's possible that Amy Stewart listens to album versions. It's possible. It's possible she has seven whole minutes to spend listening to this song. But some of us are, you know, high-powered business people. That's right. Entrepreneurs this summer. This summer. Uh, We don't have time. time We don't have seven minutes to listen to a song. No. That's three minutes that I could be doing business in. Fucking hardcore business making deals and and just yeah, peeing on just, piles of money and then spe- yeah, and then about, giving them to people <laughs> spending them yeah that's called power peeing <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly what it's called um so what else happens in this version i i don't know i don't have a whole lot like there's a big pickup of the horns and the strings in our funky segment yeah um, the violin comes in particularly yeah. on the, the big chorus. So that's the third one. Oh, um, what she does yeah. do, she does some like ad-libbing at the end. So she does. She says, oh, baby, I'm going to shimmy, going to shimmy for you during that's like right. kind of outro final chorus time frame. And then there's some backup singers and then she starts to do a little bit of ad-libbing. It's not a ton. This version is a little longer, I think. It might be a bit slow, or the intro's longer. I think she might yeah. do the extended intro. That might be what it is. I didn't compare them, see if they're one to one. Oh yeah, that could be it. Um, I think she is a little slower. Yeah, but anyway, so it ends up being like forty almost seconds longer. So yeah, but it's a, still a pretty close cover. Yeah, and she does um, decent yeah. job. She sings well. Uh, yeah, but it is pretty pretty close. Yeah, I think adding in the the sax and the the violins is cool, but maybe not enough done with them. Like that bridge is good; it's very big. True. Uh, yeah, and yeah, the, they the all big sound chorus good. is nice too. But um, I think also maybe there's is there 
sax solos in here as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there is a saxophone solo. Kind of replacing the guitar solo. Yeah. Or rather, there's a few solos because they do the funky bit and then things kind of drop down and then there's like a guitar solo and then a synth solos for a bit and then the horns play a little solo and then the sax so there's like yeah everybody's getting in on the solo action just and but they're pretty short like that's all within the course of like maybe 30 40 seconds Mm -hmm. which i guess is not short but for like four solos it's not long no Trying to yeah, remember that's... if they all play separately. They definitely all play at this point. Yeah, they definitely do. And I think I think yeah, it, it tends to be one, then the other, and then the next. But yeah, those are the big differences in this one. Ultimately, it plays it too safe, too close to the original, and not not good enough. God damn it. Yeah, it doesn't bring a whole lot to the table, but it's not bad. Not bad. Um, let's talk about the Black Eyed Susans in two thousand one. A dancer, a dancer for money. I'll do what you want me to do. I'm your private. Let's let's jump up. I guess the last jump was ten years, so this is a shorter jump. This is a shorter jump, but now we're in the twenty-first century. Yeah, we jumped a whole century, kind of. <clears throat> um, Australian rock band formed in Perth. This guy's yeah. just kind of. They gotta, they gotta, they gotta make music since 1989. Yeah, it's another like long-lived band that has had a lot of lineup changes. Yeah. Um, but there's like then, one or two of them that have been kind of driving it. Over yeah. The decades. In 2001, they made a very country ballad version of "Private Dancer." Yeah, this one does. A couple interesting things with it. First thing mm-hmm. is that they changed the the time signature. Yeah. So we're in three four now. That's right. So and it's way slowed down. So it it feels quite different because of that. But then the other mm-hmm. major thing they did was completely change the structure. Structure um, and and added lyrics in added or like substituted really i mean yes added but like they sing like a bunch of choruses and then one verse right which is their verse which is their verse predominantly except for one line yeah and then three more choruses so like that's the entire song yeah so so you get like a pretty major structural change yeah pretty huge so we get a like a plotting baseline this Boom, along with some gentle keys. Yeah, it's those like fourths and fifths on the bass. Boom. Yeah. Boom, boom. That's not. Then some gentle rhythm guitar comes in with the vocals, which open on the chorus. Yes, starts with the chorus. Yeah. Uh, some piano there. That's right. Just, just like chords with notes between. So it's like strumming, but on a piano, basically. That's right, yeah. Um, and then the rest of it is pretty consistent as we transition into the chorus. And then it just repeats yeah, that chorus, yeah. I think, two times. Yeah, well, we get the introduction of brass on the second uh, repetition There's of the horns. chorus. 
the horns in this, I thought they have a bit of like a lazy sound to them. Yeah. And kind of reminds me a bit of uh, Neutral Milk Hotel, like in the airplane over the sea. Oh, yeah, I can see that. Just because they have that really laid back feeling to them, whereas horns can often be very sharp. Very sharp, yeah. So, yeah, it is more of that laid back, like filling in the background kind of horns. Either like in the airplane over the sea or like, um, I don't know, something Beirut has done. Like something. Yeah. We've talked about a version of something a couple weeks back that had horns like this i'm blanking on it it was uh i think it was it might have been metalachi with their cover of uh fucking white snake and here i go again yeah here i go again i don't Nobody remembers Alex. It's not that important. Okay, cool. It's just to say we've encountered it before. That's all right. I that's see. the thesis statement here. Um, yes, and then they get into their verse. So it, yes. it's based on the second verse. Kind yeah, of. so it starts off with that. Um, I want to make a million dollars, right? Yeah. And then, and then I need that spotlight in my eyes. Oh, won't you treat me like a product? I want to be your merchandise. That's right. My body's out to tender. And my soul is up for sale. Who bid the most for the flesh and the ghost? Who wants to see me do the shimmy once again? Once again. So it ends on a similar note of the the bridge. Yes. It starts with the second verse. But yeah, everything in between there is... Uh, yeah. And I guess thematically similar... This person has acknowledged that they're dehumanized. Yes, it seems to sort of take that that sentiment, the dehumanization aspect, and really just push it in a different direction. Whereas this, or that was the wrong word, whereas was the wrong word, but this version of the song does seem to really be more about, like generally as a performer, sometimes <clears throat> I feel like i'm selling i have to sell myself to an audience but i like performing but at the same time there's this like uh marketing side which is dehumanizing right so i need that spotlight please treat me like a product um because that's how i survive but yeah that's what what cost my job is and uh, the idea of like there be the balance between like the art and the performance of being a you know rock and roll musician or whatever kind of musician versus mm-hmm. the business side is something that you know comes up every once in a while in rock and roll songs or in oh, yeah. pop songs you know songs generally mm-hmm. so yeah they're just playing with that theme and they do it pretty quickly uh, because there's only this one verse so it's yeah really just like borrowing some of the other song kind of the idea of the other song and and uh putting it into their experience yeah 100 percent. it's uh because yeah even if, because there's a music video for this one too and it's just a a series of like buskers busking yes for, exactly for money. so yeah that, that really does connect it to their experience of what it is to be a private dancer yeah as not private as busking is 
Um, yeah. It's a metaphor. Yeah, as, as little dancing as it involves. <laughs> yeah. Depending. Although, if you see those... What is it? Uh, oh, well. Anyway. Um, they also... What else happens here? There's a... Cool bit. Not that cool. There is I'm, I'm trying cool to think. Bit. I thought I had more to say about this, but I was wrong. Um, they kind of continue really, in that way. Yeah, they kind of carry on their plotting rhythm for most of it. Because um, um, after this, really, they repeat the, the, the chorus like three times. Yeah. They have been, they gradually increase their volume. Yeah. There's still a build, but it's not like a huge thing. They're not bringing in a bunch of extra instruments. Um, and there is still that. The horse yeah. In fact, when they're singing the verse... Um, the second half of the verse the like the horns come in and start to harmonize with the with the vocals which builds it up a bit but it all still sounds kind of lazy laid back yeah and then noticeably at 303 we uh, stop because it's been harmonies on the chorus so far there's been multiple people singing and we go down to one voice for this like final chorus ah for the third chorus yeah, where he says, oh, yes, any old... And then he repeats, yes, any old music will do. And then the horns take us out on a little... Yeah, and the horns kind of, like, at the end, there's, like, one rogue trumpet that does, like, a little bit of ad-libbing, but everything stays very slow. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a it's a cool version. Uh, quite a major change to the structure and to the instrumentation. Um, and also they changed it and basically made it like a waltz. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of cool too. I don't know what influences that decision, but it was, it was fun. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, they made a real real old-timey vibe on it. And that's something to be yeah. said. I'd, and they got dudes singing it, so they proved Mark Knopfler wrong. Yeah, yeah I mean, they but, had to change all the lyrics. But... Oh, yeah, they had to change it entirely. They got the song. Yeah. But... <laughs> it's, it's, it's different because he's trying to write it from the perspective of some person, right? Whereas they are saying, mm-hmm. neat, but also I'm going to sing it as me. Kind mm-hmm. of instead. This, so This is how I'm a private dancer. Yeah. But clearly there is some, like, old-fashioned feeling to it. I mean, if you watch the music video, it's all sepia. So Yeah. And you get yeah, the first guy you see is this cowboy busker. Yeah, playing a classical guitar. Yeah. And then, and like, even the next guy has this big top hat and he's playing the piano. <laughs> he does. And he has a sign on the side of the piano that says, Yep, it's a busker. It's a busker. And busk and then, he does. Yeah, and then we get some shots of a guy sitting and then I get shots of a guy walking. Yeah, a guy with a really pointy collar. Yeah. Kind of cowboy thing. I don't know if that actually is what I was associated with cowboys. Yeah. We get this trash drummer drumming outside of a subway. Yeah, on some bins, some buckets. On some buckets, and then it's a saxophonist. Yeah, an old guy playing saxophone at like a yeah. farmer's market of some kind. Yeah. Then it kind of flashes between them, and then we end on that, that guy sitting and looking sad. And Actually, we end on the sky shot that opened it. True, yeah. This sort of like daydreamy shot, you know, staring at the clouds, mm-hmm. spinning around, kind of like idly thinking about whatever that's what i that's the impression i get yeah so it is it's about it's about the 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 struggles of busking what this version's about something like that something like that it's about 
the feeling as a performer of that you are selling yourself that there's a degrading aspect to it even though the performance is something that you enjoy doing mm-hmm. yeah to to an unfeeling audience as well which i mean yes particularly in busking these people don't give a fuck about That's you gotta be part of it I'll tell you what we give a fuck about, though, is this next version by Jazzy Andrews in 2004. I'm your private dancer, dancer for money, do what you want me to do. I'm your private dancer, dancer for Yeah, I was unsuccessful looking this person up. Yeah, me too. I would have gathered there's some kind of cover artist. Yeah, that's what I'm getting out of this, too. Although there was a review for one of their albums that was quite positive. Mm. Just from a person who bought it. Well, that's good. Yeah. What did they say? Um, I didn't don't have it up. I think it was just on Amazon. They were like, this is really good. And they compared her to... Fuck, someone else. I don't remember now. Maybe I'll just go to Amazon.com and read the review. Oh, it recorded at Tori Amos. Oh, okay. Um... Well, here's what I can compare it to. So it opens up with this piano, which sounds like a kind of sped-up version of the Velvet Room. The Velvet Room. Persona. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, it does. All right, thank you. (laughs) It's not exactly the same, but just those like ascending arpeggios sound very similar to the Velvet Room theme from Persona. And yeah, and using a a piano for it. Right. Yeah, it's very, very similar sound, which I guess, yeah. I don't know what the reference is in the, vel- but the Velvet Room, but obviously like a room lined with velvet is kind of supposed to be like a back room sort of thing. Right. You know, like it's a rich person who maybe conducts some, some under the table business or whatever, or that's where the strippers go kind of thing. So I, that yeah. might be what the connection is. I don't know exactly if that's a reference to a particular style of music, but they do seem to potentially be drawing on the same influence maybe yeah because yeah i guess in the fourth game it's the back of a limo yeah and then in i think in the third one it's just like a room with velvet in it yeah i guess i don't really know i only know four so and in the fifth one it's a jail so (laughs) (laughs) yeah i guess maybe only because the limo was the the one that i'm familiar with yeah, it kind of kind of checks off that vibe. Yeah. In any case, this is our slow solo piano version. Yeah, so it's piano and vocals the whole way through here. Um, so it's a lot of like the piano will play arpeggios. Actually, what it is during the verse, she's playing higher, and then she kind of does a run down, and then plays lower during the chorus. That's, right. This is the right one. Yeah. And it kind of jumps down, lower register, and then higher in the verse, and then lower. So kind of back and forth. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of that piano playing. Yeah, and her very soft voice. She's uh, she's going for a more tender approach than anyone previously has. Yes, definitely going for that like personal thing. It's like she's telling it to someone as opposed to like thinking it to herself necessarily yeah this is mid dance yeah she's been giving her dime and she's whispering this into the person's ear and uh she also seems to create like some self-harmonization like just 
other tracks of herself. Now, right. in the verse, it sort of alternates. Yeah, that's like, right. It's on and off. Yeah. Um, and then there's some, like, one line of the chorus gets that, too. Um, yeah. And then it goes into another chorus, the second one, and then it does the full the full time is is harmonized. Um, right. The other thing you get on those harmonies, there's a little bit of, like, a lo-fi edge on those harmonies. So you don't really hear that on the rest of it, but it kind of starts to break up the harmonies. Mm. So I don't know if that means that even though like makes means they're like not real. So she's actually alone kind of thing, even though it seems like there's more, I don't know. Oh, is she private dancing in an empty room for no one? Or maybe this is still just her thinking, but anyway, I don't know. It's definitely, yeah, more like soft, sad vibes rather than like noir vibes that we got off the original. Yes. And then even, yeah. So like the final line, she just like sings it very softly, but it's like totally on her own. Whereas before there were harmonies and stuff. So mm-hmm. she's alone in the end. Oh, that song is called Aria of the Soul. That's uh, the name of the song in uh, Persona. Yeah. Um, She does like a, a the, I guess, yeah, her souped up version, like her full on belting chorus is just the double track harmony version. Yeah. Not not good enough. No, didn't think so. <laughs> no, and no, I compared to what we get on other ones like it's it's just kind of weak. But that's this version in general is just kind of weak. Yeah, I didn't I often don't really like the solo acoustic type versions. I thought this one was fine. Um I didn't I didn't think yeah, it was we, boring. I think some of them are boring, but there is not a whole lot she does like a decent kind of more intimate delivery. Um, yeah, but, but there's it's not also, much else going on. While being more intimate, it's more generic. The original captures true. That's a, true. Like a specific type of sadness, right? Whereas this is just like that. sad slow piano sound. Yeah, it's so like this is sad and slow. You could fucking sing about anything here. You could sing any goddamn song. Sound like this and be like, oh, this song is sad. Whereas with tina turner's version you're like oh man there's some roughness here like she's been doing this like you can imply so many things from just like the quality of her voice and and the tone of the instruments like there's so much that goes into making it a specific song whereas this one is a generic version of a specific song that is true that is true so yeah like technically everything is like in tune and structurally it's fine it's yeah sound. and there's a like, very small probably not actual reference to persona yeah uh, the timelines don't seem to match up yeah they don't match ah, 2004 i don't know persona. if the song was in the earlier persona games it was in persona 3 i'll tell you that which was released in 2006 oh fuck it's close it's a close call Maybe she got an early copy. <laughs> Very early. Very early, yeah. She's a time traveler. Yeah, that makes sense. You know who would have been able to be influenced by Persona 3, which came out in 2006? Uh, Gennaro or Gennaro Cosmo Parlato in 2006. I'm your private dancer, a dancer for money. I do what you want me to do. I'm your private dancer, a dancer for money, any old music will do. 
this Italian guy. Yeah, singer and lyricist, uh, Italian and international pop, as well as classic Neapolitan songs are his thing. Also called operatic pop. Yeah, it's very Mediterranean. Yes. That's what is happening here. It's kind of like, I don't know exactly what you would call the style, honestly. It is, I mean, I say Mediterranean, but it kind of has that sort of, how would I describe it? Like, like it's a theater performative Mediterranean, like, like, um, it's like this Moulin Rouge level kind of thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, there's something like, like, I, I mean, I said operatic pop. There is something, I mean, he's not doing like, but there is something like theater about it. Yeah. And so I, I think that is an accurate thing to draw. Yeah, on. I guess just the, yeah, the theater thing and performance like even when he opens he does his version of the the deep exhale which is him just like no no <laughs> just making sounds yeah 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 so just like some, some like weird vocalizations <laughs> yeah and you've got this just this bouncy bass line and rhythm guitars boom 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 yeah he's also doing those like the fourth thing Mm-hmm. It uh, reminds me a bit of that. Was it a Dutch cover of Bob Dylan's "Forever Young"? Oh, that it was, it's sort of that one was a little more in the like polka range, but this is almost like an acoustic version of that. The like Ole Thestrup. Yeah, that was the one. Ole oh, Thestrup. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Where? Yeah, it's got that like it's kind of bouncy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's all in the guitar too. Yeah, um, I don't know if I don't know if you mentioned that some sort of acoustic guitar. So it's a lot of that guitar, um, and then he's singing over this kind of rhythm on the guitar. Boom, 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 yeah. boom. He does his singing Italian accent, you know. Got that. Faces. Yeah. Yeah, he's 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 going low. It's a uh, almost talk singing. But it's Italian. But it's not. It's Italian, yeah. Well, it's not in Italian. It's in English, but he has an Italian accent. Yeah, heavily Um, accented. Yeah. And then accordion. An accordion. Yes, when we hit the second verse. Um, It starts just playing like long chords, holding long chords, harmony. Yeah. But everything else kind of stays the same at that point. Yeah, that's really where this one comes together, though, is we get that accordion in here. Yeah, and I mean, if I say it sounds Mediterranean, I probably mean there's an accordion in it. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, So there's an accordion in it. I am now saying explicitly. Um, And it's sort of, yeah, it starts out kind of like slower, you know, holding those chords. And then once we get to the following chorus, then it speeds up. So it's got mm-hmm. a few like those like sharp pulls of the bellows and does some like runs and even gets pretty high on the keyboard uh, for a while That's there. That's right. And then, and then they transition into the um, breakdown part, whatever you want to call it, funky bit. Yeah, the, like the bridge. Yeah, bridge. Yes, <laughs> words are hard bridge. sometimes. Um, so there's a little transition in there. It plays a little guitar lick and it ends with like a harmonic. Does it like bing rings out, and then he goes into his reality section, his bridge. Yeah, that's Max Dallas. Like that's 
pretty operatic honestly yeah i guess that's yeah that's the opera thing you were mentioning before it's really kind of like i i guess belting it is the word maybe um and the accordion is doing this thing where it's sort of like waterfalls chords like it's building these chords but it's all very smooth because it's an accordion just sort of pulling the bellows so it just builds up these chords and then it's just a lot of notes on the accordion at the Uh same time building these big chords yeah and he ends his like shimmy again and screaming as the accordion takes over for the uh the chorus yeah his voice kind of like he holds and then he starts to like ah like it's strained and then he like coughs a bit maybe does he cough yeah maybe no he doesn't um and then the accordion does take over yeah yeah so he throws a few lines in there but like really it's he's like out for the count because he sang too hard before or something (laughs) yeah yeah he comes in he's like that's a fun body and you know throws in some ad libs and then he finishes with any old music will do and the the accordion takes us out yeah it does it's like empty the bellows chord and then it's done yeah yeah kind of a fun version short too like he he plugs in everything he's got in a little simple version under three minutes shortest version we're gonna talk about today yeah um, it's very flavorful, let's say. I will say that. Okay. It's got flavor. Good. Yeah. It's got, it's, it's got, got a, flavor. It, it's got a character that I can, I, at least to me now, is unique. Whereas we're going to talk about this next version. We've seen so many, so many, because it is a, it is a novelty act. We've seen so many yes. novelty acts that are just like this. We're talking about Mambo Kurt in 2007. You're a private dancer, a dancer for money. I do what you want me to do. is german yes um interestingly enough he's uh so he's a german comedy novelty act covers mainstream and classic rock hits uh apparently rammstein are big fans of him Hmm. most interestingly he's also a licensed doctor oh cool and in this the year of our lord 2021 he has been helping to vaccinate people in his home country oh right on so not a bad dude no but his name isn't actually Kurt. It's just a stage name. So yeah, his name's actually Mambo. Come on, Alex. <laughs> uh, he was born Rainer Limpenzell. Yes. Anyway. Anyways, this one opens with him making big breaths. So he's keyed in. For I'll say this in terms of comedy. Keyed in on that exhale in the intro and then bringing that in a lot seems like a good yeah. comedic move. So... Is this, there's a, so there's like a track in the back. Yeah, there's a woman talking. And there's a woman talking. But there's like a kind of like rhythm going. And there's a woman saying things in German. I'm sure there's a joke there. I don't know what she's saying, but it seems like he's kind of groaning, not wanting to listen to what she's saying. That's what I'm getting out of this. That's your interpretation? Okay. What did you get out of it? Now that makes I, I don't know I, they were He's just kind of like, disconnected oh. for me. <laughs> and then she like me, talks for like a minute or 40 seconds. Right. Yeah. And then as we've got this weird like backing track, he just keeps making noises. I didn't I didn't associate it as being connected. 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I heard it as like right groaning. in that they are connected. He's like exasperated, and she's like, I don't know, telling him to do something, and he's like, women always nagging, you right. know. Women just don't understand. Except the German version of that, he says, uh, women all face yeah. nagging. I don't know. <laughs> the, the, the German version of that is, Ugh! Ugh. yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, sh- I should have picked up on that. Silly me. Yeah, it does it a few times. Yeah, okay, so he's, he's this woman is nagging him for something. Yeah, so there seems to be a story here. I, I don't know what it is. Maybe that's the linchpin to what makes this funny, because... Anyway, then the music stops at about 40 seconds. She stops talking, the music stops. He clears his throat and tries to do the opening line. And then he has to do a second take. Yeah, on. he has to clear his throat again. So it's like, it's like musical slapstick, kind of. Yeah. And that happens a couple times throughout the song there's a couple other things um later on that i'm sure yeah. i'll find the note on as we go through uh, um, but, but yeah so yeah the cheapest backing instrumentation you can imagine yes it's very it's very like thin kind of electronic drums yeah and then i think an electronic like trumpet or something yeah like, it's bum, that bum, bum, yeah bum. maybe like a tuba i think it's lower yeah tuba there you go it's a bam 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 so yeah this one goes for your full-on polka kind of rhythm because then we get the organs coming in on that it's not three three though three four it's not three four time but anyway well half on polka i'm just mentioning that it polka doesn't have to be three four but this is not three four just mentioning that all right i don't think anyway hmm i might need to double check that anyway yeah it's got Uh, that it's got the oompa is the point yeah the oompa yeah with that, like, fourth, again, fourths, we're doing the boom, 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 yeah. boom, boom, and then the run-up, boom, 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 boom. But it sort of splits the, it up. Yeah. Splits like, it, it up. does yeah. the interval in one half of the verse, and then it does the run on the other half. Mm-hmm. Anyway. And then, yeah, an organ. It's like a yes. baseball organ. Yes. Uh, just playing on the backbeat. So we've got a backbeat organ playing chords now. Yeah, and he's doing another sort of talk sing style. You keep your mind on that money. And then when we kick it to the the chorus, we get it like a like a marching snare drum, and a, a yeah. more obvious oompa on that tuba. Yes, yes, it's playing the full part. So it was split up before, but now it's combined everything together. Yeah. Um, so we get what I assume yeah. is the lady from the the talking track singing the 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 upper part. On the yes. Sports. At first, I thought it was like him pitched up, but based on yeah. the later parts of the song, it does seem to be a different person. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, then it goes then, back. Then it goes back to the verse. That's right. And then what starts to happen here is it starts to speed up a bit. That's right. Um, just a little bit. It speeds up in the second half of the verse. And then sort of... Um, and then back into another chorus right after the verse. Uh, now, yes. there's another sound I forgot to mention before yes. in that, that was in the first chorus. It's like a... this like plinky sound. And I think it's like a synth xylophone or something like that. Okay. But, yeah. It's a plink, as it were. Oh yeah, you're talking about on the chorus here that yeah. yeah 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 that is also there. 
I mean, you know, yep. again, just like the most annoying instruments you can imagine playing. <laughs> like, that's that's the vibe this one's going for. Yeah, yeah. Um, and of course he does. He goes hard on the third chorus by going falsetto. Yes, that's his thing. Is just like total falsetto, which I guess again, kind of like musical slapstick. It's just like can't do it. So we go into like the very obvious falsetto. Yeah. And he, he carries that falsetto on for the uh, the bridge. Yeah. Everything keeps going through the bridge. Get that tuba and drums. Um, there's a synth, too. I said it doesn't sustain much. Playing, like, eighth note chords in that bridge mm-hmm. um, with, like, very low sustain. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's like ding, 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 ding. It's very quick. Very quick very synthesizer. Quick. And then we slow things down after that with his his big wah. He goes whoa. Yes, he does that. Which I that's why I think it's meant to mimic her her exhales on the her original exhales. Track. Okay, so it's more like it's just an exaggerated version of that. Yeah. But fuck, I don't know. Could be. This is I the mean, trouble with these these novelty yeah. pieces is trying to figure out what the the comedy is, especially like in another language where the comedy might be spelled out for us in the in the german section that like i'm not going to transcribe and then try to translate that because i I don't know german i mean i probably could have looked up the lyrics i briefly did but i was like there's no way i sometimes you get like usually you don't but sometimes you get it yeah so anyway he laughs a bit i think at the end of this one Mm -hmm. does his wah sound and then, like, it's just down to drums. And then they go back into the chorus. And over the course of several choruses, I think four or so. Yeah, it sounds about right. They speed up very, very fast. Yes. Yeah. So it's just like, it's like screaming at the end. Yeah. And again, slapstick. Musical slapstick. Slapstick, yeah. It, it, it becomes too fast. He can barely keep up. Yeah, you know? see this in like a Looney Tunes cartoon. Yeah, it seems to me like... Oh, that's the end of the song, by the way. Uh, it seems yeah. to me like this is really... Like the performance would add a lot. Yeah, like I if there's a physicality to it. funny to see, yeah. Yeah. And speaking German, I, listen, I think that would help. I listened to, yeah, I listened to like clips of some of... Like his most popular ones, Killing the Name. Um, oh, who's that originally by? And then the second most popular smells like Teen Spirit, both off the Regis same album. Machine or the other guys who I always get mixed up with them? Yeah, it's, I, th- I think it's is it Rise Against? Is that who it is? Rage Against the Machine. No, Killing in the Name. Yeah, Killing. Is that what name. I said? Is that what I said? Yes, yes, yes. Rage okay, cool. Against the Machine. You're right. So yeah, it's and it's all it's similar to this. So yeah, I think you might be right in that there must be some live component to this that makes it interesting or funny. Yeah, like I can see it. I'm, I'm like giving it the benefit of the doubt. I didn't really laugh when I was listening to it. Yeah, I've heard I'll less admit. funny versions. Yeah. yeah, or versions where it's like, wait, is that your joke? Like, mm-hmm. are we making fun of really that? I don't know, man. At the end of the day, singing private dancer goofily—that's a pretty good bit. Yeah, <laughs> I'd do it. I saw another one where it was well, actually. So when I was Googling, looking for the music videos, there was a performance. It was some group called like the Skivvies that performs in their underwear. And it was, right. it was like, um, tiny private dancer. So it was mostly tiny dancer, but they threw right. in some private dancer and it was just like them on stage in like smaller and smaller underwear, which is amusing. Yeah, that is amusing. 
You know what else is amusing? The next version we're going to talk about by Two Copy and Dimpf in 2018. Yeah. What? Did you, did you find out much about these guys? Uh, not a fucking clue. No. Man. There's like too many. Uh, too many artists on here that I just like couldn't find anything about, which is to say yeah. two, too many. Two. And that's too, too many. Uh, three, if you count two copy and DMFP is separately. Separate people. True. True. I like to, I like to pretend here's a fun little acronym I made for DMFP. Dungeon master fat penis. Ha. <laughs> penis. Like, like, like that, uh, like that vine where that guy's like, yo, it's your boy, uh, skinny penis. This would be his friend. <laughs> fat penis also dms for him okay i don't i don't remember that vine don't shit i didn't i wasn't really up on vine back in the day so dog i wasn't up on vine get him all second dead (laughs) second hand vine second hand vines um yeah i guess two copies some like a fax machine or something i don't know yeah and so these two teamed up fat penis did you say penis i said fat penis fat penis yeah that's the FP. And now this, the start of this one, it I think it is actually like ripped from the original. But the piano intro sounds like is it George Thorogood who does the way it is. That's no. just the way it is. No, that's not. No, I don't remember who that is. But it's not George Thorogood. I can tell you that. Way it is. Bruce Hornsby. Bruce Hornsby. Yeah. George. Not in like the the intro segment of it, but it's like later on. Yeah, I kind of vaguely know that song. Um, it's very piano driven, mostly just yeah. You want to talk community. about weird songs that come up on the work playlist? A, the, a, the way it is, a hip hop sample version of the way oh, it is. Oh, so kind of like this. Kinda, yeah. Yeah, so this is a dance version. This is a dance version. It's mostly like synthesizers and dance remixes. It is mostly or dance remix stuff. It uses kind of that piano and then plays that through a lot of it. But most of it is the looped sample of the you don't look at their faces line. Yeah, constantly. Um, also, very common in this version, what I am calling wind sound effects or like <laughs> synthesizer doing like, yeah, noisy swooshes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Happens all the time. Um so yeah, very electronic version um, with some sampling. A lot of synthesizers that come on top of it. Uh, so like the intro section is a lot of just like add a synth, add a synth, add a synth every couple bars. Yeah. And that said, it still maintains like an atmospheric approach. Like I was waiting for a big drop at some point in the song. Yeah. It never comes. That's true. It's very mellow. Yeah. I actually, I actually did like this version overall yeah i was actually kind of impressed by it because it um, stood out from what i expected yeah because like well i mean to compare it to the black eyed susan's version which is stylistically very different but they really used a very sort of small portion of the song mm-hmm. um and like kind of turned that into their own thing whereas this one also uses an even smaller portion of the song um which is basically just the one line and then one part 
where I think two times in the song, it'll, it does a transition where it does the, you don't think of them at all. Them at all. But yeah, when they play big. that part, it plays the whole sample. It's, it's all the instruments. So you get the original drums and bass and stuff in there. Yeah. And then, like, I think their key riff is an approximation of some of the melody from the original. But, yeah, beyond that, it's it doesn't use much of the source material. Yeah, it's just a lot of you don't look at their faces, which, like, you really kind of dwell on just that I just that disconnect, you know? It's really just about that, I think, mm-hmm. the, yeah. the impersonal nature. And it's not really, I don't think, trying to make any big statement about it. Not like black eyed susans where it says hey we are performers and we kind of feel this way this is just mm-hmm. like hey let's feel this way for a little bit yeah and well that it because it is i think still a dance track yeah to to bake that in you, you don't need to say private dancer if everybody's dancing true that's already true. a dance track and i think with a dance track if you're like trying to get it across just musically you're kind of in a group of people and you're all sort of feeling this thing together you know so it's mm-hmm. like let's produce maybe a very straightforward focused at least like emotion and yeah, then everyone just kind of statement and just plays that line again in again. that space but we're all together mm-hmm. so it's kind of a safe space to feel this way yeah yeah i think that's what's going on here and i think it seems to do that fairly well yeah or at least i mean i won't claim to be an expert on this style of music but that's what i got out of it again what's different from most other dance tracks we've heard yeah they're not taking the i mean they're not even taking the the chorus right yeah like and like that like that big the synth wind that you're talking about like usually threatens a big fucking like beat drop or something but it never comes you get like another like a different synth coming just one would come in it's like yeah like it it swells uh you know swells and fades recedes or whatever but yeah it never does like a big drop or anything Mm -hmm. so yeah it does a pretty good job of maintaining that sort of feeling throughout yeah it's a moody dance version without any heavy emphasis on like drum beats or bass or anything while still maintaining the identity of a dance track which is interesting yeah so yeah it's a cool version yeah pretty cool and six minutes long it is long we've got time for that we don't have time for a seven no. well, it's, it's not seven minutes long so it's okay. not you know over the top but let's be reasonable here so yeah we got private dancer by two copy and dimp but now we've got our final version of the day adrian warren adrian 2019 warren i'm your bride so adrian warren is a performer who plays tina turner in this what this is from this tina turner musical yes tina the tina turner musical tina the autobiographical turner turner musical yeah so so i would say how i would describe this version is it's a very like kind of slick version and it also it is um very exaggerated because that's kind of the space that musicals play in everything is elevated so it it 
takes the original version and does that to it mm-hmm. for this. I mean, I say the stage, not that the original wasn't performed on a stage, but this is like the big, very, you know, exaggerated, emotional, I guess, melodramatic version of the song. Yeah. So in the context of the musical, this apparently plays when she's like struggling to get her comeback going. She's a 40 year old musician. People are not not like signing her on for record deals or anything. So this right. is her. Which is kind of the story of the song too. Like, well, I don't know if she, how much she was struggling to get signed on, but this is like her comeback album. So. Yeah. So yeah, like, like chronologically it's around the same time, but yeah. this song wasn't, nec- it wasn't written by Tina Turner to reflect that obviously. Right. It's written by Mark Knopfler about what he thought it's like to be a, a private dancer. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Um, yeah. So that's kind of what, like, even right from the start, like the very first sound that comes in, whereas in the original, it's like this, wee wee wee, wee like almost Western. Yeah, yeah. Um, synthesizer. <laughs> yeah. Um, this one, it's it's like a, like this, kind of chimey synth that just, it's like explosive. It's got this really mm-hmm. fast attack, just comes out. Right away, playing like chords. Um, That's right. And then it kind of goes. In. So there's still like piano playing, but it's we've started already very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, her performance. Sorry. <coughs> One moment. One moment, please. It's a Tina Turner impersonation. Yes, she's going. It's for that very much an imitation. So with a little bit of theater thrown in. So I mean, she's a good singer. Obviously, she sounds yeah. good. It's kind of a slightly exaggerated because when you're doing an imitation, especially on stage, I imagine it kind of has to be exaggerated. Yeah, you have to play it up. Yeah, she's trying to do the like raspy thing. And for the most part, she sticks in it. There is one part where she drops out of it. Mm-hmm. And that is the later on when she does the two choruses. So the first time she does a repeat chorus. The yeah, imitation. The one. Yeah, she belts and she says, still sounds really good, but she kind of drops that like Tina Turner raspiness. Yeah, and then it becomes musical theater. You're like, nah, yeah, yeah. Which I know at, I am. at that point, I imagine it'd be very difficult. That said, when she belts the second time, she seems to maintain mm-hmm. it a lot better. So I don't know. Yeah. Kind of odd, I thought. But but still still does a good job throughout. Yeah. And it's yeah, like the the backing track's fairly similar to the original, and the similar purpose too. It's to support the the vocals. You're here to see Adrian Warren pretend to be Tina Turner. Yeah, yeah. Not to hear what Dire Straits played in the background. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so maybe a little less focus on that. Ironically, because the original kind of was so understated in terms of the music, I would say mm-hmm. similar um, to the Amy Stewart version it's just kind of like up higher but even more so like i said very exaggerated yeah and then some of the like more subtle effects just kind of stripped out like people aren't listening to this carefully you know at home no this is for it's the stage it's literally theater yeah so yeah so there'll be like more of that like funky guitar riff and stuff Things like that versus like the guitar comes in and plays like three notes. It's it's mm-hmm. a it's a, a consistent riff kind of thing. Yeah. 
It's yeah, like I I imagine the original but bigger, and that's basically this version. But yeah, like uh, one more specific note: the mm-hmm. the piano part in her bridge. Yeah, I didn't. It sounded a bit mechanical to me. I I didn't. I don't know. Just that one part wasn't a huge fan, but it's still fine. Yeah, I I don't know. That's not even a huge issue. It just only. It sounds a bit like a bit songbook, doesn't it? A little bit. Like it's like, oh, this is what we think they're playing at this point, and then you play it, and you're like, that kind of sounds like it. Yeah. So it it works fine, but yeah, it it has it has a a less naturalistic feel to it. Just that one like little bit. Yeah, and I'm sure live, and if you're you're going to fucking Tina Turner musical, like this is probably going to land pretty well for you. Yeah. Especially because they really do, like, bring the energy. Yeah, but then my question is, if you're a Tina Turner fan, do you buy the soundtrack for for the Tina Turner music? Tina, the Tina Turner musical? I think if you if you like Tina, the Tina Turner musical. I guess, but then if you're at home and you, you got two records, one of them is Tina Turner's Greatest Hits, and the other is Tina, the Tina Turner musical. Like, you're going to throw on... Tina Turner's greatest hits, right? Why? What, what do you need Tina the Tina Turner musical for? Yeah, it's already it's already been done. It's like, yeah. do you listen to the Mamma Mia soundtrack? I don't know. I personally I don't. don't. But but yeah. maybe maybe like for a month after you see it, you're like, that was an excellent experience, and I I really enjoyed it, and I'll remember it by listening to this. But then you're like, but you know, it's really Tina Turner who I want to listen to. Yeah, maybe, maybe so. Maybe that's a temporary thing, but yeah, I do question its value as a recorded thing. But I guess all things are meant to die eventually. Yeah, so this can just have a short everything dies, life. baby. That's a fact. Everything dies one day comes back. Let's make up on the pretty Great song. Um, yeah, not talking about it tough. today. No. <laughs> <laughs> but we got to bring Springsteen into it at some point. Come on. Yeah, got to bring Steen the Springsteen in. Um, we're going to go into our final verdicts now, because that's all the versions we're talking about today. The three categories. The worst version, the best version, and the version that you would play and dance to if you yourself were a private dancer, a dancer for money. Private dancer. Dancer for Alex, money. Alex, worst version. Worst what version. What is the worst version? <sighs> I think, oh man. Easy, easy answer. Jazzy Andrews. Okay. Yeah. Of all the versions, I was going between the most. That's the one that I was leaning towards the most, I think. I think I have to agree with you on this one. I think that is the worst version. Yeah, it's just like. I mean, each, each other one has an identity, and even if it, it's maybe not necessarily the right take for this, or maybe not the greatest piece of comedy, like it's they at least have. They went a for striking, something. Uh, I and I can like I'll be able to in the future be like, oh, this is like that version a bit. Whereas when we talk about a version that's like a Jazzy Andrews version in the future, we'll say, oh, it's one of these soft piano vocal. Yeah, covers. we're not we'll going to say, say oh, it's, it's like, like Jazzy, Jazzy Andrews. Andrews. Yeah, yeah, that's so, true purely by forgettability and like we said it's not the worst it's not i mean it is the worst version of this bad but it's not not, like the worst thing ever it's not bad it's just not good yeah whereas yeah we might say hey this is like that italian guy what was his name cosmo something 
Cosmo something? Yeah, we'll remember two pieces of it. And we'll be like, I think there was uh, an accordion in there. And yeah, you know, we'll Mediterranean. remember more. Mediterranean. Yeah. Mediterranean. Yeah. Alex, best yeah, version. Best version. I think my favorite was probably uh, the Black Eyed Susans. A solid pick. They did a, a pretty significant shift. You know, changed the timing, made it very laid back, and then changed the context to make it be about them. And I think that's what, that's, uh, I really look up to that, their ability to make things about them. Yeah, a good, like, subtle shift to to get a personal attachment to it while still making it ostensibly about a private dancer. Like, the lyrics still slot in. Yeah, it's just, like, more of a metaphor now. But Yeah, we add add a little extra metaphor into the mix. Related. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, um... I yeah I I think I agree I kind of want to give it to two copy but no I think I'm gonna give it to the Black Eyed Susans because that one struck me because they did so many bold moves and still made something that what you could look at and say that is Private Dancer but it, it's also so different and unique to them so I yeah I think a great take a nice cover pretty cool Alex yeah. you're a Private Dancer a dancer for money I'm a Private Dancer a dancer for money um, what are you dancing to what am I dancing to now. I feel like for a couple of reasons, um, I have to say Gennaro Cosmo Parlato. Um, one, because it is the shortest one. So I would okay. have the dance over with fastest because I'm, I'm not right. you know, it, the greatest dancer. And are um, you in this scenario? Are you a private dancer like a taxi dancer? Are you a, a stripper? What's your what's your scenario? Um, I think it depends on what you're paying me. Okay. Yeah. So you you do multiple gigs. I got yeah. You. I feel like I mean I'm I'm a professional dancer. I might as well, you know, if dancing is my thing, I don't want to limit myself. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's like one song. All right, pick a short song. Huh? It's called business, like, baby. It's called shrinkflation. Right. I can't believe we didn't think about uh, dirty dancing as an example of a private dancer, Patrick Swayze. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, that that would theoretically they be another kind of private dancer to dance with people. They're kind of yeah. the same thing, although they get paid they by yeah, the club to dancers. just like be really sexy. Yeah, they're and, like, like make people want to dance of... and yeah, drink. Yeah, I yeah, guess. Yeah. yeah, they're almost like hosts slash hostesses. Yeah. In any case, I think that's going to be my case. dancing one. Also, it's kind of weird, and there's um, there's an accordion, so. Yeah, you got room for some quirkiness in there. Yeah. That's good. It's also kind of like... Yeah. No, go ahead. Sorry. The accordion means you could like maybe... It's not a slower version, but you could maybe try to make it a little bit more of like a close-up thing. Like a one-on-one dancing versus if you need to be faster or something. Right. Anyway, I don't know. Um, I'm going to go with two-copy Dimp Private Dancer. Because it's... You know, there's not a lot of heavy action in there. It is six minutes long, but if I'm charging by the minute, this is, well, that's it true. also gives me gives me the opportunity to just check out, you know? Don't look at their faces. Just you can like, kind of oh, vibe. As as, yeah, just as long as I vibe and shimmy. They'd be like, are you rhythm. doing what the song is saying? I'm like, you don't look at their face. <laughs> look at my face. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, so that's my choice. It's two copy, DMFP. That's our final verdicts. And, as always, if you want to talk to us, share your opinion, different, similar, or otherwise, tell us about a version we didn't talk about, hit us up on Twitter, hashtag CoverMePod, at Jake the Cressy, at some Alex Wise Guy. 
You can also email us at covermepod at gmail.com. Send us your comments, questions, concerns. Let us know how you're feeling, what you're thinking, what you want us to talk about in the future. Suggest us some summer jams. I'm not, we're going to try to keep it pumping and bumping for the whole summer here. It's just nonstop good vibes is the plan. And also songs about business and positive sex work. So if you have ones about those as well, send them our way. Cause yeah, sometimes this is a good vibe song, right? Uh, it's, about, it's about business because it's private dancer. Yeah, there's a connection. There's a connection somewhere. There's a connection. Um, and as always, rate review us. We're on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, your favorite podcasting app, second favorite to last favorite. We got them all. We're all we're up in there. Tell I'll your open your list us. of favorite podcasting apps. Yeah. If you're using multiple podcasting apps, hit us up on all of them. Fucking follow us, baby. Subscribe. Now, it's time for a bonus segment. This one I call Double Dipping. I'm just recycling a question from last week. Alex, E3 happened now. It did happen now. All the announcements have been in. What are you stoked on? What are you not stoked on? Um. All right. What am I stoked on? So, I mean, I was pretty excited to see Metroid 5. Yeah, that's big. I'm even kind of excited about that. Um, because I've been wanting Metroid 5. Obviously, it's called Metroid Dread, which has been like the rumored title for the next Metroid game for something like 15 years now. Yeah. I think this is the third time they've actually tried to make this project and it's kind of fallen apart twice or so in the past. Um, it was even, um, there was in, in the third Metroid prime game, there was a, like a, a computer entry that said Metroid dread project dread is nearing completion. And then like nothing came of that. Um, <laughs> And I don't know what it is with Metroid specifically. They got trouble cranking out games on that end. They do. I think they don't have the same support. Um, Because a lot of, like, Nintendo's creative directions, I think, are driven by, like, or led by Shigeru Miyamoto. And he didn't make Metroid. That was, like, Gunpei Yokoi's thing. But he left the company and then uh, passed away. So. Right. Anyway, I think that might have something to do with it, is that, he kind of more knows more about you know the Mario Zelda side, but I don't that's know if fair. that's, that's true. It's too bad because like the Metroid titles, the original two D ones, seems like they could be pumped out on a lower budget too. Because because it's two D, like you could get a lot of them. Yeah, it's two D and yeah, potentially try some potentially. interesting things. Uh, what else? There's that Final Fantasy game made by Team Ninja that oh yeah kind of looks ridiculous, but might be fascinating. <laughs> I forget what it's called. Chaos a lot, right? It's like chaos so much. Yeah, because yeah. it's an origins for Final Fantasy One. Well, that's right. Yeah, it, it looks kind of ridiculous, but like I'm I'm there for ridiculous, quite frankly. Oh, yeah, sometimes sometimes that hits, man. Sometimes it's good. Yeah, so uh, I'll be there for that. Um, I don't remember a lot of other things that happened. I mean, there's a new WarioWare game, but I yeah, I, I was, was into say, like the Nintendo presentation because. It was very, so like, obviously. quick. It was amazing. It was just like, here's the trailer. Do you like that? Here's another one. Here's <laughs> another one. Yeah, it's, it's just like, like, go, 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 go. Here's so a Japanese businessman snapping his fingers. Now there's another like, trailer. Free, You're like, fuck yeah. Trailer, like, oh, shit. WarioWare again. And, like, it would be nice to see Mario Party not just be remixes, but it's kind of cool that they're... I, and it should have just been an expansion games. for the already for the established one. Switch. Yeah. But, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. 
which is unfortunate. So hopefully they can get that together a little more. But, uh, and then in terms of, I was a little disappointed because there was like a very explicit point where they were talking about Zelda and they were like, hey, we're making this little knickknack thing and we're not doing anything else for the anniversary. Watch a trailer. And then it's like, wait a minute, you're not doing anything? Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, you get Skyward Sword, which was an, which was an anniversary game in itself, wasn't it? It Ten was. Ten years ago? Yeah. Yeah. It was the 25th anniversary. 25th anniversary. So it's, and the thing is, you can't just be, if you're doing anniversary shit all the time, you're never going to make any new fucking games. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So it's like I get fine. it. I would have loved to see some kind of Zelda collection. Luckily, a lot of the Zelda games, um, at least your NES and Super NES stuff, is already on the Switch on the online. That's collection. true. I did just play um, a Link to the Past again. That's right. Um, but it's uh, just some yeah, mostly mostly Metroid. Metroid yeah, I, it's surprising that at. that is the big takeaway. I'm also excited for WarioWare because it does look pretty cool. Yeah. So there's some cool um, stuff. Yeah. There's always cool stuff cool on the stuff. horizon. Um, obviously, No More Heroes Three is coming up pretty soon. The World Ends with oh, You yeah. sequel is coming up pretty soon. So you know, Ace Attorney is coming up pretty soon. Ace Attorney, great Ace Attorney collection. Fuck. Cool stuff. It's uh, yeah, it's cool stuff on the horizon. Yeah. Kind of an underwhelming E3 overall, I think, but still some, yeah. some good champs in there. Yeah. Yeah, I only watched one of the presentations, so that's fair enough. Well, kinda, two because I, I watched Developer Digital. That's always fun. Oh yeah, I forgot to watch that one. I watched Ubisoft. Oh Mario and Rabbits, I'm actually stoked for. Oh yeah, I didn't play the great. first one, so I think my the brother has it for like eight dollars. Yeah, or you can borrow it from your brother. That's the best way to do it. Yeah. Um, people at E3 happened. Tell us what you loved, what you hated, and uh, and maybe yeah. tie it into music somehow. We're technically a music podcast. Yeah, our technical music podcast. You don't have to, Whatever though. Whatever the fuck we want to be. Yeah. God damn it. We don't have anyone telling us what to do, so... Video games have music in them, so we're allowed to talk about it. It's true. Yeah. We fucking did an episode on the Jeopardy song, for fuck's sake. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> we can do whatever we want. Do whatever we want. Um, that said, what we want to do now is end this episode. And we end that, as always, by saying, you keep your mind on cover me, keeping your eyes on the wall.